0: The world uses the term karma, meaning kind of that what goes around comes around. Uh, you end up getting what you deserve. And there's a couple stories in the Old Testament that kind of uh, have that karma type feel to it. Remember that Jacob and his mother, Rebecca. Decided that they needed to deceive his father Isaac, so that Jacob would get the birthright and the blessing instead of Esau, and so they cocked this scheme where she cooks his favorite meat like like uh, uh, Esau would cook it, and they you know put animal hair on on Jacob so that when Isaac touched him because he was going blind, he would think it was Esau then, you know, he stole the birthright, stole the uh, blessing from from Esau. And then he remembered that because of that, Esau said, I'm going to kill him. Next time I see him, I'm going to kill him. And so mama says, you better get out of here, Jacob. <laughs> and says, you need to go back to my homeland, to my family. And so he does. And he goes and he meets with his, uh, I guess it would be his uncle Laban. And uh, uncle Laban has a beautiful daughter named Rachel, and he falls head over heels in love with Rachel. And so he works out this thing with his, yeah, I know, it's a little weird because we're talking first cousins, but it's a whole different time, okay? But anyway, so uh they work out this whole, you know, that he's going to work seven years and then he'll get to marry Rachel. And so he works the seven years and they go through and they have the wedding and all of that. And then they go have their honeymoon night, and it's I love the way it says, you know, in the morning, lo and behold, there was Leah. Laban had pawned off his oldest daughter, who apparently, let's just say Oh Jacob the deceiver, the deceived. Now I don't know about you, but I don't like being deceived. I don't like being tricked. Uh, I like watching other people get tricked. Uh, There used to be a show on TV—TV bloopers and or uh, TV—I got it right here, practical jokes and TV bloopers. Yeah, that was it. Remember that? And I used to watch it. That was pretty funny. I liked it because sometimes they'd play practical jokes on on famous people, you know, and that was all funny. And many of you will remember Bubba Smith. Uh, Bubba Smith was a huge football player, played defensive line, I think for the Baltimore Col- Colts, if my memory serves me right. But he was, he was just a giant of a man, but was generally a nice person outside off the football field. Uh, and so they were gonna pull some of his buddies, football buddies, were gonna pull a joke on, on, on him. And what they decided they were gonna do is they were gonna send out, inv- send him an invitation to a costume party. And they actually sent him the costume that he was supposed to wear. And I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think it was a bunny suit that included tights. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm trying to get the vision out of my mind, but that's what I recall. And so Bubba Smith comes into this, you know, costume, and he's the only one in in costume and it was pretty funny until the moment Bubba lost it and he went out of his normal nice band mode into his defensive lineman mode and people were scattering everywhere because he was he was not too happy now I like watching that about other people you know that that's that's funny if somebody pulls a prank on you I'll enjoy that I don't like it so much when it's me and we certainly don't like it when we are flat out lied to and deceived. You know, there are times in uh, in my life, maybe in business or whatever, you know, somebody promises you something and it's just absolutely not true. And you find out later. You know, that's what happened to Adam and Eve. Well, Eve more so than Adam, but Eve. She's sitting there in the garden and the serpent says, are you not supposed to eat of this? Nope, not supposed to eat of that. God said we can't eat of it. Why not? Well, God said if we eat of this, we will surely die. And the servant said, oh, no, you won't. You won't die. It's no big deal. God just doesn't want you to be like him. And so we know, of course, that Eve ate of the fruit and the consequences of that. You know, the New Testament has a lot to say about being deceived or deceiving ourselves, as the case may be. I normally don't do sermons like this. Some of you think I normally don't do sermons, but I normally don't do them just like this, where I kind of pick out a word and we just jump from and look at them. But that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to look at several verses in the New Testament that have to do with being deceived. Because we don't want to be deceived when it comes to important matters. The first verse I'd like to look at is 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8. And that is that we should not be deceived. And I don't know whether you're going to be able to read those or not. I may have, may have chose the wrong colors. But it says we should not be deceived that we have no sin. And so in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8, he writes, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, the problem is, 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 most of us would probably not say to ourselves, "Well, we, we don't sin." What we would probably do otherwise, though, is try to make we sin, and the world's getting really good at that. See, if we'll just fall in line with the world, the world is basically telling us nowadays there is no such thing as sin. There is no right or wrong. There is no, you know, whatever is right or wrong is is what the world says it is at a particular time or whatever feels right at a particular time or whatever, you know, the popular motive is or whatever you want to do that's right. And there is no wrong. But the Bible tells us do not be deceived or say that we don't have sin and thus deceive ourselves. We have to admit that we have sin." You know, I've told you before that a lot of times when I talk to especially really young, younger children who have expressed a desire to be baptized, you know, there's, there's a fine line there. You know, you, you don't want to you don't want to discourage them. But in, then again, on the other hand, you want to make sure they know and understand, you know, kind of what's going on. And I was talking to a very young lady just just a little while ago, not too long ago and we were talking about sin and we were talking about you know what sin was and and all these different things and so i i straight up asked her i said have you ever sinned and she said oh no well you see that's kind of the first clue that she's not ready to make that step because you can't be ready to be saved if you don't understand you're lost you can't be forgiven of your sins if you don't think you've ever sinned. Now, I think we eventually discussed a little more. And I said, oh, you mean you've never once told a lie to your parents? She got this look on her face because her mother happened to be sitting there. No, her dad actually happened to be sitting there. And, uh, you know, you could just see this. Turn, turn, and, and, and I said, it's okay. You know, daddy's told lies. Tim's told lies. I, and she said, well, yeah. And I said, well, is that not a sin? Because we talked about sin being doing what God tells you not to do or whatever. Oh, yeah. So anyway, by the time we got through, she kind of understood it. But I still don't think she was quite there yet. But, but we cannot deceive ourselves. Now, I had a conversation. I think Kenny was with me. We, had a, we were in a, uh, uh, a Bible study in St. Croix in the Virgin Islands. Dealing with an adult and we're talking about sin and said, you know, have you ever sinned? No, never. Well, I don't know what you do with that with an adult. I mean, I really don't. Uh, Okay, (laughs) well, I guess you don't need what I'm telling. So, Uh, but John here tells us we cannot claim that we have not sinned and deceive ourselves. Because just like a little girl, until we humbly come before God, confessing our sins and understanding the consequences of our sins, then we cannot really appreciate the salvation that has been given to us. So we cannot deceive ourselves about sin. Secondly, we cannot deceive be, or be deceived by sin itself. Now we ought to know this verse pretty good. It's Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13. Now, we've been focusing for 31 weeks on the first part of that mainly, you know, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called a day so that no one of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You see, Satan is not a dummy. Satan is smart. Satan knows that he has to manipulate things in order to get us to sin. And two of the ways that he does that more than anything else is he makes what, what's bad, what's sin, he makes what's bad look good and he makes what's good look bad. Go all the way back to the garden and Eve. God said, don't eat of the fruit. If you do, you'll surely die. Well, Satan made that God's command, what he wasn't supposed to, he made it look good. Oh, no, no. He knows that if you eat of that fruit, you're going to be just like him. You'll have all this wisdom. You'll be so smart. You'll be just like God. So it really is something that you want to do. And then on the other hand, he, he had what was good and made it look good. God said, don't eat of it. Essentially, you'll live forever. Oh, no, no, that, that, that's ridiculous. It's a beautiful looking piece of fruit here. Go ahead and eat it. And so Satan understands and he knows. The Bible tells us to be aware of the schemes of Satan. And that is his number one scheme. To tempt us to, by deceiving us into doing things that we know that it shouldn't. Whether it's lying, stealing, cheating, gossip, all these other things, the sins that we've talked about. Satan draws us in by letting us be deceived. Satan is always going to try to make it look good. I've said this before and I said it not too long ago in the in the high school class you know it, we just came out of the christmas season and my favorite commercials during the christmas season are the budweiser commercials you got the beautiful Clydesdales and you've got that beautiful sleigh or wagon or whatever. And the Clydesdales are going through the snow and the bells are jingling, you know. And, you, and it's just its a beautiful setting, isn't it? Well, sure. But Budweiser or any of the other alcohol companies are not going to show you the lives that have been destroyed by alcohol. The health issues... To come about. They're not going to do that. They're just going to show the good. And that's a part of Satan's schemes. And so we don't want to be deceived by sin itself. Thirdly, we don't want to be deceived that we will not reap what we sow. Galatians 6 verses 6 and 7 says, anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Satan tries to tell us that we won't get caught. It's a victimless crime or sin. Nothing's going to happen. And we begin to listen to that. We begin to think to ourselves, well, if I do, yeah, then I probably won't get caught and there won't be consequences to it or whatever. But most of us have been there and done that, and know that's not true. You can't hardly do anything without getting caught, especially today, with cameras and phones and everything, text messages that never go away and emails that you know you think you've destroyed, and they're still yeah, you know, nothing goes away. And we reap eventually what we sow. Some of you remember the story about the, the lady that was a member of the Simeonese Liberation Army, the SLA, wasn't that the one? Patty Hurst and all of that. But she was a part of that and been involved, not necessarily in actually killing somebody, but in had been there when that had happened. And she had gone on the lamb, run, you know, run into hiding for twenty seven years. I am sure that she thought, Whew, got away with it. No, they're never going to find me. 27 years. She married, had a family. She was the soccer mom person, you know, kind of. And then one day there was a knock at the door. And it was the FBI come to haul her away. You reap what you sow. Paul tells us in Thessalonians, don't listen to those people who say, just because God's judgment hasn't come swiftly, that it's not going to come at all. Because to God, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. But there is coming a time, Paul says, when God will judge the world. And we may, we may play with it here. I might be able to fool all y'all. I might be able to fool myself. I might go to my grave fooling everybody. But I'm not fooling God. And maybe I didn't... I always get this wrong. Maybe I didn't reap what I sowed so much here on earth. But in judgment, we'll reap what we sow. That 73rd Psalm... You know, where 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 the writer says, I almost slipped, I almost, I almost lost my faith. People weren't reaping what they were sowing. I looked around and all the wicked people were getting rich and had all the blessings. And here I am, I've been serving God my whole life and I got nothing but misery. Nobody seems to be reaping what they're sowing. And then he says, but then I remembered. Then in the end, their way is disastrous. And in the end, in my way, God will bless me. So we cannot be deceived that we will not ultimately reap what we sow. Fourthly, we should not be deceived that we are wise. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, Paul writes, Do not deceive yourselves. If anyone of you thinks he is wise by the standard." Age. He should become a fool so that he can become wise. What OK, let, 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 I'm going to do a Norman. Let's read that again, Except I've already closed my Bible to that verse, but we're going to get back there. Do not deceive yourselves if any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. And what Paul is saying here is, you know, human wisdom, human knowledge, human understanding can only go so far. It cannot explain the depth of God's power. It cannot explain, I don't know about you. And I don't consider myself to be a smart, wise person. Amen? Yeah, thank you. All right. You know. But I know some things. But it is difficult for me to grasp the idea of eternity. I mean, on the surface, I understand it. Eternity, forever, you know. Okay. But to really understand it, I'm not sure our human mind's can really get around that. We've talked about this and talking about the incarnation. Jesus being all God and all man. Not some God and some man, but all God and all man. That just makes my head explode. I cannot understand it. Because it's not within me to understand it. God, no matter how smart we think we are, According to what the world says, we need to become dumb so that we can become wise in God's eyes. Remember, Paul also said that God chose the foolish things of this world to, you know, bring about salvation and different things like that. Things that man would, if man was going to devise a scheme of redemption... All the, we're going to have a great think tank. Okay? Sin problem. We've got to figure out what to do with this sin problem. So we get the wisest people in the world. We bring some of them back from the dead. Okay? We get Socrates and we get, uh, uh, who's the really smart dude? Yeah, Plato, but uh, Einstein. Thank you. Yeah, that really smart dude. Like I said, I'm smart. <laughs> uh, you know, and so we just get some of the, some of the, some of the, Geniuses of the world, and we block them in a room and we say, Okay, y'all devise a scheme by which man can be redeemed from its sins. You think they'd have come up with the plan that God came up with? Not a chance. Not a chance. And God wanted to be essentially simple. Jesus Christ. And live by faith. Wow. Wow. That's, that's just not complicated enough for us. I want something more complicated. Sometimes we get like Naaman. You know. The prophet said go dip. He got leprosy. But our prophet says go dip in the Jordan River seven times. And Naaman said I ain't doing that. I'm going off. And the servant said dude. Well I didn't say dude. He said sir. If he'd have told you to do some great feat, if he'd have told you to go capture some city, if he'd have told you to go, you know, rescue or do this, you'd have done it in So why not just go dip in the Jordan River seven times? What can it hurt? Again, I'm paraphrasing. It was a little too simple for naming, but he took his servant's advice and he did it. We don't want to be deceived that we are wise by worldly standards. Also, we don't want to be deceived by riches. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 22. This is in the uh, parable of the, uh, of the sower. Get to Matthew. And Jesus is explaining those that fell among the uh, thorns. It says, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is a man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it making it fruitful and it might, not just, it might not be money it might just be possessions it might just be any material earthly thing that we think is going to bring us ultimate happiness now are there things that bring us some joy yeah come on yeah I mean there's things that bring us some joy we put all of hope, if we put all of our, our dreams in those things, it's going to be a very brief moment of pleasure and joy. You know, that's what Jesus was saying when he said, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where the moth and the rust and the thieves come in and destroy. You know, all those things that we have, may provide us some momentary joy and that's fine. But we can't find our ultimate joy in that. Otherwise, there will be no joy when those things are gone or when we're gone and somebody else is enjoying those things. We need to put our trust and our, make our treasure in heaven where those things will not come and tear us down. Riches and fame and power... They can't keep us from plane crashes, car wrecks, and different things. I don't care how much money you have, you can't keep cancer away. Now, maybe if you've got more money than somebody else, you might be able to get better medicine, you might be able to prolong it or whatever. But in the end, you can't, it doesn't do those kinds of things. So we have to have our hope where it ought to be. Sixthly, You've been counting? Sixthly, we do not want to deceive ourselves and be hearers only. James chapter 1. and verse 22, James says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It is not enough, like we talked about this morning... Just to know God's Word. You know that there are some atheists out there who know the Bible better than you do? They do. They know the Bible better than I do. Is it of any use to them? No. It's not enough to sit in Bible class or sit and listen to the preacher or or whatever. It's not enough to just listen to the Word. We have to do what it says. We have to... Apply it to our lives. That is that is your job from the sermon. You see, we I don't know how many people we got in here tonight. We look like we got, you know, 100 or so. I don't know. Jerry, how many people we got, do you know? Tonight. 108. All right, so we're in triple digits. Very good. So we have 108. I cannot apply a sermon to 108 different people. All of y'all are in different circumstances. All of y'all are dealing with different things in, in your life. All of y'all, all of us are on different maturity levels. Can't apply it. I can present it and try to apply it in general. But it is our responsibility as the hearer. To then apply it to my particular situation. To my particular experience. We have to do what it says. You remember Jesus told that parable about the, the, the wise builder and the foolish builder. And building the house on the rock and the sand and all that. You know. He said the person who hears my words and puts them into practice. Is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The man who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like the man who builds his house upon the sand. And when the rains and storm and all that come, it goes down with the crash. We don't want to be hearers only, but we need to do what it says. And seventhly, you're wondering, aren't you? But you can see we've got to be, got to be close because we're written to the bottom of the page. But I can go to another page. Seventhly, we do not want to be deceived by false teachers. Romans chapter 16. And verse 18. Paul writes, For such people are not serving the Lord but their own appetites by smooth talk and flattery. They deceive the mind of naive people. Now, if I were to call you naive, you'd probably take a little offense at that, wouldn't you? You know, you would not take that necessarily as a compliment. But I think what he's saying here goes before that. We've got to know what it says so that nobody can come along and lead us A strap. We talked about that this morning a little bit. You've heard me say this a bunch of times. Don't you dare, don't ever, ever believe anything just because you said it. Don't you ever, that goes for young people and old people, don't you ever, ever believe anything just because. The Bible class teacher said it. Study for yourself. Look into it. See if that's true. You remember that the, in, in the book of Acts it says those in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They searched the scriptures daily to see if what Paul was saying was true. And Paul got offended and shook the dust of the feet off of Berea and left and never went back. Did I deceive any of you? (laughs) That's not what it says. It doesn't say that anywhere. Nowhere does it say that Paul got upset because the Bereans were checking him out. My guess is he was happy that they were searching the scriptures. Because then it would be their own. It wouldn't just be something he gave them. It would be their own. So we do not want to deceive ourselves or allow ourselves to be deceived by, by people who would come in and teach falsely. Only way to do that, the only way to do that is is not for the preacher to know the word. It's making sense in my head. I'm not sure it's coming out straight. In other words, it is not just my responsibility as either a minister or an elder. It is not solely my responsibility to make sure that there's not false teaching. It's our responsibility individually to search the scripture and to make sure that what's being taught and preached and, you know, is true. None of us want to be deceived. None of us, none of us like it. And yet Satan is out there every day. Deceiving us, deceiving us, deceiving us, trying to, at least. And so we want to be on guard always and make sure that we are doing things the way that God would want us to do it, and not deceive ourselves or be deceived. Is there some way we can help you this? Week, we invite you to come now as we stand and as we sing.
1: We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com, or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas. 75638. Her meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9:30 a.m. for Bible class and 10:30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6:30 pm. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.